silence, stillness. The lack of something happening when we're so used to having something happening. Was that awkward or weird for you? Did it make you feel even a little bit uncomfortable? Maybe like someone missed their cue or something went wrong. But I assure you, silence, stillness, was exactly what was supposed to happen. We're not very good at slowing down and listening, are we? It's why moments of silence and stillness are uncomfortable for us. For most of us, we live at a frenetic pace. We hurry during the commute. We hurry to find the shortest line in the stores. We hurry to secure a parking spot. We hurry to practice or to the game or to the meet or to the dance or to this activity or that activity or whatever. We are just always in a hurry. We have our cell phones with us all the time. So we can stay connected. We tweet. We update our status. We check the scores and watch the latest video. We text. We share pictures. And rarely do we eat anything without first taking a picture for our Instagram account. And yet in the pursuit of being connected, we've never been more alone. That could be because there's always something going on, always something else to do or that needs to be done. And if we slow down... We start thinking about all the things that we are not doing. And not only do we think about those things, we begin to feel guilty about not doing those things. We fidget. We cannot relax. And anything that takes longer than an hour and does not have at least one bathroom break, including church, well, it, it better be good. And what happens when we're on the go like that all the time? Well, I would suggest we have a tendency to forget about others and rely on ourselves, on our decisions, our opinion, our ideas because we simply just don't have enough time to slow down and consider anything or anyone else. Often, it's only when we are in a crisis situation that we are willing to slow down and invest in the situation. I see it often. Husband and wife are happily married, a couple of kids, a couple of jobs. They don't take time to spend with one another. They no longer date each other, and they begin growing apart. And one of them says to the other one day, I just don't know you anymore. I think I'm done. And suddenly, there's time for conversation. There's time for counseling. There, there's time for those meetings. There's time to invest. There are commitments made in those moments that say, I will do whatever it takes or I'll stop doing whatever it takes in order to make this work. We're not very good at slowing down. We're not very good at silence. We're not very good at just being still. You heard Alex and Mark and Melissa all talk about slowing down, about listening for God. And I would say that that's true in all of our stories. It's true in your story. It's true in my story that it's just difficult. And if we read the stories, we find that it's true in the stories that we find in the Scriptures. In the Old Testament book of 1 Kings, we find a man by the name of Elijah. And Elijah has a very interesting story. If we were to have Elijah able to videotape him, you know, put him on the screen like we do uh, everyone else, then he would tell the story about 
at least in part, that he was a prophet of God. He would say he was called by God to go to King Ahab, who was king of the land at that time, and to tell the king that there will be no dew and no rain in the land except by the Lord's command. And Ahab was this king who'd made a name for himself by doing, and I quote, more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those who came before him, end quote. And if you read any of the Old Testament in First Kings before him and read the kings, that's pretty hard to do. But he did it. In his 22-year reign, uh, I'll just summarize it to say he was a bad man. And not as in he was a bad man, as in a good He was a bad man. He was just bad. So Elijah, the prophet of God, after he shares this less than encouraging message with this bad king Ahab, he takes off. He got out of town and he went to live in a valley by a brook where he could drink water. And if Elijah were telling his story, he would share with us that every day that God sent birds to bring him food. Every day, ravens would bring him bread and meat, making Elijah the very first fan of the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. And when the brook dried up, as you can imagine that it would, because there was what was not happening No dew, no rain in the land. So the brook dries up. And so he then goes into town, into this village where a widow woman and her son provided him with water and food from a flour jar that and an oil jug that were empty. But by God's provision, they never ran dry. Day after day after day after day, there was always more flour in the jar, more oil in the jug. And Elijah would share that God had showed up for him in some Amazing and unexpected ways. And throughout Elijah's life, God was faithful time and time and time again. God showed up in a way that Elijah did not expect. Remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about the story of all stories, how God showed up in a way that the people didn't expect either? They expected this king to come in and take over, right? Instead, God sent the king Jesus to the cross. And in an amazing display of love and grace and humility and power, Jesus on the cross, according to Matthew's Gospel, it literally shook the world. Time and time and time again, we see that God provides. We see it when after three years without rain, God sent Elijah back into the kingdom where Ahab was the king. Now, there's a lot of backstory in this story, and if you did not read the text that we sent out in the email, First Kings chapters 17, 18, and 19, I want to encourage you to do that at one point. We, we're not going to take the time to go through the whole story, but it, it's a, an amazing story about his life, and, and I want to encourage you to read that. But for the sake of Elijah's story here this morning, I'm going to summarize a few chapters of his life. King Ahab had been looking for Elijah because he wanted to make him say, hey, it'll rain again, right? Because things were starting to get bad. It, it had been three years and, and the people needed water. The, the animals needed water. There was a severe famine. Ahab was married to a woman by the name of Jezebel. Now, even if you don't know your first Kings Old Testament history, you know the name Jezebel, right? And you know that that's not good, right? And so... Even though Ahab was a bad man, Jezebel was a worse woman, right? She was just bad, I think, to the core, and I don't know. But she did all these evil things as well, and and included in all those evil things that she did, she made it her mission to kill off all the Lord's prophets in the land. And so you have to believe Elijah was on her hit list. So to try to stop the tide of evil in the land, Elijah has a good old-fashioned showdown with 
the god Jezebel worships. And when they go meet on the top of Mount Carmel for the showdown, it was 850 prophets of Baal versus the one prophet, Elijah, from God. And to, to determine which God was really God, which one was a true God, and which one was just a made-up false God, they agreed to take turns. And both of them would build an altar, and they would offer a sacrifice to their God. And then the God who answers them by sending down fire from heaven, that is the true God. That's what they decided. That's what they did. So the prophets of Baal, they went first. They go for hours, and they tried everything, and nothing happens. It's an amazing story that I really encourage you to read. And then Elijah steps up. He builds the altar. He makes a sacrifice. And then he does something strange. He has them dump four large jars of water on the altar and the sacrifice. Not just once. Not just twice. But three times. Enough to soak the altar, to soak the sacrifice, and to fill to overflowing the trench that they had dug around the sacrifice. Now, this is not really a very smart move on Elijah's part, is it? Because as any Boy Scout will tell you, wet wood won't burn, right? But here's another interesting twist to the story. What is the issue that has been plaguing the nation and the land at this time? What was it? Lack of water? What's Elijah doing? He's pouring out water. He's soaking the sacrifice, not once, not twice, but three times. People didn't have water to spare, and yet, what's Elijah doing? And then Elijah prayed. And in 1 Kings 18, verse 38, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil. It also licked up the water in the trench. The Craig Casey version of the Bible says it was hot, right? God showed up in an amazing way. And all the people cried out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then God, through Elijah, said, tell King Ahab, it's going to rain. God showed up. He made his point, And now it's going to rain. And, and just when it feels like everything is going well, I think this is where we see Elijah's story and how it reveals itself to be a lot like our story. After everything that had happened, after God showed up in some amazing ways, Elijah had been fed by the ravens. He'd been provided a place to stay and food to eat by the widow woman and her son during the famine. God had been protecting him from Jezebel and her henchmen for years. He had seen God bring down fire from heaven. And then Jezebel issues a threat to him. She says, I am going to kill you. And what does Elijah do? Does he say, bring it? <laughs> no. If he were standing here today, he would say, I was afraid and I ran away. That's what he did. He ran. And he ran away to the desert. He was afraid. And after he gets to the desert, he prays. And look at what he prays. He says, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Elijah was done. He was tired. He just didn't want to go on. Have you ever felt like that? In your busyness? In your life? In your day-to-day -day routine? Have you ever just felt done? I'm just done. 
I don't want to fight it anymore. You ever just get sick of your boss? You're tired of having the same conversations, feeling like your job's not making a difference? Working on and turning in seemingly meaningless assignments? Exasperated that your kids won't listen? Maybe exasperated that your spouse won't listen? You just feel weighed down. You're tired. And maybe worst of all, in those moments, you feel alone. And like Elijah, you feel like, I just can't go on. I'm done. And so God sends Elijah to a cave. And I want to read the text from 1 Kings chapter 19. It'll be on the screen behind me. I invite you to follow along. It says, There he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains. It tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. I love this story because I love how God showed up. For Elijah, And while we could certainly focus on the power of God, how he demonstrated that through the wind and through the earthquake and through the fire and, and how God demonstrates his power and his authority over all creation. And because of that, we can trust him and we can put our faith in him and we can rely upon him and we know that he is God. All those things are true and all those things are good. What I want us to take just a moment and focus on is the cave. Think about where Elijah had been. He'd been in the valley where the ravens had fed him. He'd been in the village where he stayed with the widow woman and her son during the drought. He'd been in the kingdom of Ahab where he issued the challenge to Jezebel. He'd been on top of Mount Carmel where he had the showdown with the, the prophets of Baal. He'd been in the desert where he was ready to die. All the places that were out in the open and out where he saw what God was doing. And here God sends him to a cave. And it's in the setting of a cave that I believe Elijah finally rested. And it's in the setting of the cave that God showed up. And He showed up for Elijah. Not to right some wrong. Not to, to meet some physical need. Not even to display His power. He showed up for 
Elijah. And in that moment, Elijah had an honest conversation with God on how he really feels. He said, God, I don't get it. I've been doing all this stuff for you and all my friends are gone. I I have no one. All your people have rejected you. They've rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars. Jezebel is so evil, she's killed all of your prophets. I am alone. I'm all alone. And I'm afraid of what might happen next. Now, if you're anything like me, when I hear Elijah complain like that, I go, really? Really, Elijah? You're going to complain to God. After everything you have seen God do, after he fed you with ravens, that's kind of amazing, isn't it? After he provided for you with with the widow woman, with the the flower jar and and the oil jug, after he brought down fire from heaven, you're going to question God? You're going to ask for this? And what's amazing to me is even though that may be my response, that might be your response, thankfully that was not God's response. God met Elijah right where he needed to be met. And thankfully, when God looks at us, he meets us there too. When we are at the end of our rope, when life is difficult, when the busyness of life engulfs us and we feel like we can't go on, God does for us what he did for Elijah. He meets us right where we need to be met. God shows up and in a whisper, he says, I am here. You see, Elijah had seen all the big things, but he needed to be reminded of how God was there for him personally. And here's the really important part that I want you to hear. Elijah had to go to the cave to understand that, yes, God shows up big, but God was not in the big wind. God was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. God showed up big in a gentle whisper. Elijah had to slow down. He had to remove the distractions. He had to be reminded that his very name, Elijah, his name means, my God is Yahweh. He had to be reminded, Elijah, not just the God, but my God is Yahweh. And the cave provided that opportunity for Elijah. It allowed him to get away, to remove the distractions of life, and allowed him to hear God in a way that he needed to hear him. It's kind of like this. Anybody seen the movie Ray, the story about Ray Charles's life, played by Jamie Foxx? A few of you have seen that. Um, in this movie, on one of the times it was being filmed, uh, the story is told that Ray Charles was on set with Jamie Foxx, and when they were going through this one particular uh, part and they were talking about it, all of a sudden, Ray Charles, he just freaked out. He interrupted Jamie and he yelled this. He said, will someone stop all the noise? People were staring at him blankly because they didn't hear anything. What was he talking about? You see, Ray heard something that the rest of them didn't. From across the room, someone was clicking their pen. Ray Charles, blind. One of his senses, in this case his sense of sight, was diminished. And that allowed him to be maybe more focused and to be more aware. 
Which is why maybe he was the only one that could hear the clicking of the pin. Do you hear it? Can you hear it? You know why you can hear it? You're listening for it. Thank you, Dean. Do you understand the same thing happened for Elijah? You know why he heard the gentle whisper? He was listening for it. He'd had all the other distractions removed. He knew, God knew what he needed. God knew that he needed that gentle whisper. In his difficulty, he needed for God to show up in a personal and powerful way. Do you remember what they were saying in the video? Life is tough. It's difficult. I was searching. It was difficult to see God in everyday situations, especially when things are busy. And yet God whispers loud and clear, we need to be closer. I love what Alex said. You have to look for God because no matter what, and don't miss this part, no matter what, He is there. Even when you don't want Him there. I love that she said that. And especially when you do. Like Elijah, like Mark, like Alex, like Melissa, like all of us. There are times when life is just plain hard. And in those moments, we need to find our cave. We need to listen. We need to slow down. We need to remove the distractions. And like Elijah, we need to go to a place where we can find and listen and hear God's gentle whisper. So I'm going to ask you a question. How are you going to slow down? What's your cave? What is it for you? I I don't claim to have the answer for you as to what that is for you. That's something you are either going to have to discover or allow God to, to reveal that to you. But maybe for you, it's a simple thing. Like turning off the radio in the car. Maybe it's taking a a longer, slightly less congested route on your way home. Maybe it's taking a slightly longer shower or bathroom break. Maybe you just need to put your phone down. Take out the earplugs, the the headphones. Maybe for you, it's getting up a little bit earlier in the stillness of the morning to be with God, to listen. Maybe it's cutting out a TV show and spending time. When life becomes too much, and even before life becomes too much, how can you, like Elijah, set yourself up to hear the loud whisper of God? Much like the story of Elijah, it doesn't end in a cave, right? If you read the rest of that, God sent him out with purpose and meaning and direction. Our story doesn't end in a cave either. We've been called to hear his voice. And when we hear him and when we, when we know him, that we've been called out into that ministry of reconciliation to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. And that's all because God's story, the story of Jesus, did not end in a cave either. The power of God raised Jesus back from the dead, gave him life, and in his life we find purpose 
and meaning and direction. The same God that called him forth from the grave is calling you today. He's calling all of us to have relationship with him. God desires to meet with us, to have relationship with us. Psalm 46.10 Be still and know that I am God. I invite you to give God time to give God space to slow down and listen for His whisper.